Welcome to Camp Wire. Today, we will be discussing the importance and value of connecting young people to the power of plants and the rewards of growing them as a key aspect of youth development. My name is John Beitner. I am the Professional Development Manager for ACA's Western Region. And it's my pleasure today to speak with Susan Yoder of Seed Your Future and Alex Yost from Farm Camp. So Susan, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization, Seed Your Future. Oh, thanks so much, John. It's a pleasure to join you. And it's a pleasure to be back talking with the American Camp Association audience. Uh, I'm a former camp professional myself. Um, worked for the American Camp Association as well with you. Uh, so good to see you again. I think, um, you know, the, the fun thing to share with the camp community about my organization, which is called Seed Your Future, is it's a movement that was formed just five years ago. And the entire concept around it is all about that there's this issue in our world today called plant blindness. That's a, a concept that was termed in the 1980s by some botanists. And it really comes down to that people, not even just young people, but most people in America don't appreciate or even see the plants around them. And because of that, they don't grow up then to be the folks that are gonna be stewards for our environment. They're not gonna be the ones that are using plants to explore new medicines, for example. So this particular movement was formed to try and help build that awareness of the power of plants, but then to make a connection with careers, because frankly, there is a huge workforce gap across all of horticulture, and we like to call it green collar jobs, by the way. Uh, so there's a, a real uh, lack of that new group of people that are coming in, taking those jobs, and um, just doing what we need to do for our planet. So I know we'll talk more about it throughout the podcast, but that's in short what Seed Your Future is all about. Excellent, excellent. And Alex, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Farm Camp. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, awesome to hear um, where Susan's coming from. We do something similar in, in how we try to get young people exposed to, um, yeah, agriculture, farming. Um, we have a garden within our program. Um, we're, we're on the northern coast of California, um, Sonoma County, just about two and a half hours uh, north of San Francisco. Um, <clears throat> and our program is, is really uh, a nice blend between all of your, um, all of your, old school camp activities that we all know so well, all of your arts and crafts and music and sports um, and outdoor adventure paired with uh, living on a farm, getting kids um, from a more of a, a um, city area out to the, out to the redwoods, out to the farmland um, and getting really hands-on with growing food, um, living with livestock, um, working in a garden, really getting to see the entire process and be a part of the entire process of um, cultivating food and, and uh, bringing it to our table to, to enjoy it. It's awesome. So you actually do farm to table with your own produce? We do. Yeah, we have a, a really nice sized garden um, on site that we, we plant um, right at the very beginning of the summer and, and usually... Um, a month into the summer, it's, it's flourishing and it's, it's, uh, yeah, a, a big part of, um, all of our fresh greens coming to us, um, as well as all of our meat. So kids get a, a full interaction with, with livestock and, uh, yeah, get to understand what it really takes to raise animals, to, to harvest plants, um, 
and to, for them to ultimately become our food. Excellent. That's awesome. <laughs> it is. Um, so how did you, how did you come to farm camp? What was your background? Oh yeah. Um, I, yeah, I had a, a pretty cool journey with, with camp. Um, I went to college at West Virginia university, go Mountaineers. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was in the ag and recreation department and, um, all of my co-students homies were, uh, were taking jobs for internships within, um, kind of the public sector, different park, um, jobs, uh, you know, state parks, city parks. And I just felt like camp was a really cool avenue for me. I felt the engagement that, um, it allows kids to have with, with the outdoors, um, is hard to come by. So I, I got my start in New York at a, a camp um, just outside of New York City. And then I really wanted to get out West, started looking at camps out West. I found the program called Mountain Camp um, out in the Sierras that I worked at for four summers, just starting as a counselor and kind of working my way up that uh, leadership team and, and becoming really close with, the, with their directors and their leaders. Um, and then Mountain Camp and Farm Camp created a partnership and. 2014 and we're looking for a new director um, and I had a bit of an ag background I had done some volunteering on farms uh, in Hawaii for a good half a year um, and yeah they, they thought I might be a nice fit and I got very fortunate to be asked to to come in as a new director with a uh, at that time a stranger but now a, a deep love in my life Chris Corrigan and we've been running the program together um, since 2014 and it's been an incredible fit for me and yeah very very grateful to be a part of it that's that's uh always nice to hear when someone's found the perfect place this message is brought to you by ultra camp with ultra camp's registration software we help take the worry out of registration so your camp can focus on making memories that last a lifetime ultra camp we're with you every step of the way for pricing and registration solutions connect with our staff at ultracamp.com today Susan, I think you may find have found the perfect place too. So here's a question for both of you. Uh, why plants? Why is it important in the camp experience? And what happens when children connect with nature in this way? I'll jump in first. I think so much of the basis of definitely Seed Your Future, but other organizations have talked about why plants for a long time. But this particular past year, I think it's really come to a head that people are appreciating it more. For example, during, um, during this global pandemic, there is now been a little bit of movement toward people understanding and appreciating where their food comes from because they were having trouble getting their food. That's just one piece of it. It's also about the power of plants in nature to just help with social and emotional and physical health. You know, all the things we've been talking about for a number of years, this year, the answers are there. You know, people are seeing how being out in nature can provide you with calm and you know soothing you and nourishing you of course but providing inspiration so from our perspective the camp experience is the perfect place because you're not in a very structured situation of required curriculum in a classroom you know we focus mostly on the middle school age and um, i'm sure alex can share his his um 
uh, his campers ages as well. But when you're when you're in this more free environment, it really helps to be able to take the nature and plant story and put it into every day without, for example, sitting in a classroom, of course, but the, the big picture of how plants just help the world. Um, we've been calling it the green lining, by the way, to the pandemic. Everybody talks about, you know, whatever. For us, it's not a silver lining, it's a green lining yes. because people are seeing that. And, and I think there'll be more and more families looking for experiences like the camp experience for their kids. So they'll they'll learn that the tomatoes didn't come from the plastic, you know, little clamshell in, uh, you know, in the grocery store. But they'll also learn how so many medicines, for example, are built on plants. So for us, it's really uh, been a um, interesting experience that that answers just your question why plants we've just lived it this past year this is why plants are so important yeah that's great i love that susan i think we're we're totally aligned in in getting young people and our staff as well a part of a part of that process um yeah you mentioned a, a tomato you know it's it's such a different connection that someone makes to for us, it's, it's our food because we're growing our food and, and for you all, plant life of all kind. Um, you know, when you are actually becoming a part of that process, if, if you've only ever eaten a carrot in your life from a grocery store that's been bagged a thousand miles away and, and brought to you and, and that's your experience with it, then, then that's the kind of appreciation that you would have for it. But when you get to put your hands in the dirt and put that seed in the ground and water and see it germinate and weed it. And every day you come back and it changes a little bit more. And then to actually come time to harvest it and take a bite into that carrot for the first time, it's a, a very different relationship that you have with your food there than, than you've ever had before. So it, it really changes and it, it makes you a part of the process, which just grows a very, very different appreciation for, for your food or your plants. That's awesome. And, and I would add, there's a really well, there's a whole body of research around that, but the one that I always remember is that if kids are engaged in planting and growing their food, they're five times more likely to eat vegetables. Yes. So I love that that's what you guys are doing. Totally, totally. Excellent. So they're, they're eating better. What does it do for food waste for you? Does your dining hall have you know, less of it than a, a camp that isn't farm to table? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, it's a really fun, engaging part of our program. Um, we have all different kinds of composting that's going on. Um, so yeah, any, any food waste, we really try to minimize as much as we can within our kind of green thumb of the program um, to really take only what you need. Um, but if, if you do have a few extra scraps um, or you've eaten a watermelon and you can't have the rind, um, that's going to go somewhere. So we can um, send it to our pig compost and our pigs are going to take care of any of the, the food that we would eat um, that we didn't finish. Um, it might go to our chicken compost and they can break down some of the rinds, some of the cores. Um, and then it might just go to our garden compost where it continues, it really starts the breakdown cycle and mixes in with all kinds of worms and insects um, that then will poop it out and, and make super fertile soil for us that can really go right into our garden in our next planting season and, and really enrich our, our nutrients in the garden. So 
Yeah, it's a, a really cool process for our kids to kind of process, okay, like where can this go back into the life cycle um, and and help our our community elsewhere. So it's, yeah, it's a really cool kind of all-encompassing cycle of, of compost. That's awesome. And, you know, one of the things you, you made me think of, Alex, there are a lot of camps that have talked to me over the years that they wish they could grow their own food and then serve it in the dining hall. But in some areas of the country, local regulations, the health department doesn't let that happen. So I'm curious, have you had any issues around that with your health department? Because boy, what a, what, a, what a crazy situation that is in some areas. Yeah, yeah, you know what? A few years back we did um, through our uh, just county health inspection. Um, turned out we had to do a little bit of a different process in how we were um, going about our, our USDA approval within serving meat at camp. Um, and there was a lot, there was a, a different set of regulations that we needed to start adhering by. Um, and that, it kind of changed the way that our meat program worked for, um, yeah, it turned out to be a little bit more work than um, more of a local route that we were taking. Um, but within that, yeah, there's, there's a lot of regulation um, in, in what you serve and, and how it's processed and what kind of, yeah, steps you go through to, um, to do so. So, yeah, I would say there's, there's definitely research to do within doing it. And it's, it's usually not as simple as just pulling it straight from somewhere and, and serving it. There's, yeah, there's different uh, avenues you need to take there. This message is brought to you by Camp Brain. Camp Brain is an intuitive and complete camp software package built with care and you, the Camp Pro, in mind. They take pride in building long-lasting relationships through their amazing support and love that they show to each client. Camp Brain is not only focused on your needs for summer 2021, but for your next 25 summers. For more information, visit them at campbrain.com. That's great. I mean, obviously, we're all for food safety, but knowing that there's folks like you who have gone through the process is helpful because I hadn't thought about a meat program. I've just really thought about it from fruits and vegetables. So um, maybe folks can uh, look to you for some advice. Yeah, yeah. But if you can surmount that challenge, I think it, it's such an exciting uh, part of the program with regard to STEM learning or environmental kind of uh, engagement. How, what are the applications uh, for both of you for those two things with gardening programs and farm programs and things? Sure. Susan, you want to you take that? Um, sure, I'll go first. Um, well, as you can imagine, we, we focus a lot on not just the experience, but then the pathway to careers. So we, we like to think about what's the art, science, technology, business, and education within all of plants green collar for example so the way we think about it is every camp has some focus some feature that makes them special so if they wanted to focus on stem for example or they wanted to focus or, or have a week on uh, you know environmentalism there are so many great resources out there that they can just go to and already have an out-of-the-box idea of where to start with camp you know how would you talk about uh, you know, env the environment and plants at your camp. There's great out-of-the-box things from groups like kidsgardening.org and the American Horticultural Society. So 
I, I think the, the beauty is that it's customizable, including for camps that are not outdoors. You know, there are many day camp programs that are, for example, in a Y or in a boys and girls clubs, they don't have outdoor um, uh, um, areas really. You can do hydroponics with kids. You can show them about the technology of hydroponics and the engineering of hydroponics. So I, I think that's really my takeaway is it's so customizable regardless of uh, the camp's um, um, design and, and facilities. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's so cool to hear just all the, the options that are available to us. Um, yeah, and so necessary. Um, everyone is just in, yeah, such a different place, such a different setting. Um, our our mission and our purpose is to really expose kids to that that true rustic experience to really be um, as immersed in nature as possible. Our site is just very rustic. Uh, campers are sleeping in open air tents, um, kind of Boy Scout, Girl Scout style platform tents with the canvas covering. Um, yeah, we have a campfire ring in every unit. We have a pit toilet uh, that composts itself. We have outdoor showers. <clears throat> um, so the, the true connection point within the program um, is kids to get a deeper connection to the planet and, and living outdoors as well as themselves and, and their community. Um, so we're on the very, um, very rustic side of the spectrum as far as um, what campers and staff are signing up for and and expecting out of their experience. Um, and we do our best to really market it from that standpoint and to be as transparent as we can of, of how truly rustic that experience will be. It's, it's never fun for a camper to show up expecting to have um, plumbing and a, <laughs> an indoor bathroom and to see our, our uh, glorified pit toilet and, and uh, come back to the director's office and say, this, this isn't what I signed up for. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we really try and be upfront about that and, and be transparent about that, what that experience looks like. Prog your program sounds awesome, Alex. What um, age campers do you serve? Uh, we're really, we get started with second graders and we go up through 11th graders. Um, we have a, a teen leadership program for 9th, 10th, and 11th graders and uh, regular camp is second through, through eighth grade. That's terrific. Uh, if you don't mind a follow-up question, I, I, I was thinking about, you know, what we talk about with plant blindness and um, all the things we're trying to overcome. Also plant apathy. You were talking about making sure that your campers and families understand the rusticness of your camp. Have you seen um, an increase or a decrease or, a, a, you know, what with more interest in your type of program? Because I think it's awesome, but I'm curious um, what, what side, what you're seeing? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say the, the trend has been, it's, it's growing. I think every year we've had a, a few more campers for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, That's I would great. say, um, yeah, it's, it, I think in, in my early years, we felt like, you know, we could do a better job in really explaining more of the experience and, and adding some videos to the website so people fully understand what they get into so that we are attracting these campers that like they really do want this experience their families want this experience for them um so we just yeah wanted to to be as upfront with it and, and really kind of create what the the feel is going to be like at camp that's how, terrific how, how about your program what what age groups are you within 
so we don't we're not a direct service provider here at seize your future we're about providing resources to others like camps yeah. and others but our materials as far as lesson plans and activities right now focus on the middle school age okay so that's kind of a sweet spot when kids are starting to think about what do they want to do and what do they want to be with their lives great and is it is it curriculum that is provided for, for um, people not curriculum to um, okay. in, in fact it's funny that you asked me that we did a lot of research when we were first starting out uh, with teachers and youth program leaders and they said don't give us curriculum we already okay. have required curriculum but what you can give us are lesson plans and activities to help us augment what we're already required to teach and you know, one of the best examples I like to use is you don't have to be a science teacher or a science program uh, to use plants, you could be the math teacher. And how do you use plants to teach math? Well, remember all those crazy, um, you know, story problems when we were in school where the two trains left the station, you know, whatever. Um, so we help to write lesson plans and activities using, well, if you wanted to plant a garden, how much seed would you need if it's, you know, this size wow. or, you know, using leaves to teach algebra. So that's really our focus is how do you infuse plants into what's already being required to be taught? Cool. That's a sweet little change on things. I'd be much more <laughs> engaged as a, as an elementary school kid. Right. Me too. <laughs> so let's let's help some some camps that are interested in adding this type of programming what advice do you have for organizations that want to add a camp garden or other kind of plant focused programs in their in their camp sure um yeah i i could start here and um i would always just uh, encourage people to start small um maybe think about the area that you'd you'd like to work in and and whatever you think that is start even a little smaller um it's always it's always easier to uh, to add to it but once you've tried to plant something that's a little um, beyond your capacity uh, either resource wise um, upkeep wise person wise um, it can become pretty overwhelming so i would say always starting smaller and to not be um I think, yeah, we, we can often get discouraged when trying something new or something that we might not have ever thought of or, or tried before. Um, I think people associate gardens with needing a lot of um, resources and tools and tractors. And um, there's a lot of, a lot of simple ways to do it. Um, and yeah, really needing the, the bare minimum to get started um, is, yeah, very, very simple and and easy, easy ways to get going. I would totally agree with that, Alex. Starting small, I think I would add, you don't need to go it alone. There are so many other camps and youth organizations that have started from nothing and they are wonderful resources for people. Um, you know, not only the American Camp Association, but there's a, there's a group I uh, have been involved with uh, that gives, um, education all year round but kind of their highlight is during the summer they have a national child and youth garden symposium and it brings together of course virtually right now but you know in person in other years people who are doing this either at their camp 
or at their school or at the you know boys and girls club and they're just a font of information so knowing that you don't have to go it alone to get started i i, I would definitely uh, recommend that and and then maybe the third thing to add is there really are some excellent grants available you know mm. sometimes i think that's the barrier especially with camps if they're seasonal camps they're thinking how you know where am i going to get money to either start a garden or even a little hydroponics area and um there's there are tons of grants that are for the k through 12 age level whether it's a in-school program or an out-of-school time program one of the places um we actually have on our website at seedyourfuture.org slash educator grants is we try to be the clearinghouse for everything we can possibly think of that would be a grant for a, a plant-based program. So that's just one place I would go. Um, and honestly, what, what I found from lots of camps and schools just going to providers, you know, going down to your local garden center and saying, hey, we're starting something, would you donate uh, you know, three bags of, of, you know, potting soil or, you know, some timber or something, um, rarely do they turn you down. And it's just, <laughs> um, just asking. Um, it's really a, a very supportive a, a world of horticulture and agriculture. So, um, you know, what you said, start small, number two, don't go it alone. And number three, go out there and, and get some, some grant dollars to help you. And uh, I, I know people are pushing rewind right now, but what is that <laughs> what is your seed your future? Oh, uh, sure. Grant, so seedyourfuture.org <laughs> slash educator grants, or just go to our website, seedyourfuture.org and, you know, put in the search box, educator grants. Uh, it really, um, it's really amazing. Anytime I talk to a school or a camp that's gotten some dollars, they're like, well, I didn't realize all I really had to do was fill out a form uh, and not like filling out a USDA grant, which is a whole nother um, world of paper. Uh, this is uh, pretty simple. And uh, most people are very um, supportive when you're trying to open kids' eyes to the power of plants. This message is brought to you by ActiveWorks. ActiveWorks Camp and Class Manager is the premier all-in-one camp management and marketing software solution for online and in-person camps. This intuitive camp software is easy to use and offers quick online registration and camp management from any mobile or desktop device. The feature-rich built-in marketing tools make filling your camps effortless. Learn more about ActiveWorks Camp and Class Manager at www.activenetwork.com ACA. So what does a good gardening program look like? Mm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, Let's see, I, I would start with um, just having a plan to it, having structure, um, something that's, you know, when, when I've walked into our, our garden in the past and um, felt really good just about, um, yeah, the, the order of it, uh, tools are, there's an area for the tools to be and, and they're neatly stacked. Um, there's signage within it so campers can understand, um, you know, what's growing here. Um, so yeah, just, just having it, um, and if it's a small garden and it's um, a, a first-time garden, it's, yeah, that could be a, a real nice goal to have to it, is to just um, really put a plan in place, what you want to grow where, um, and to have it neat and organized and some cool signage in there that, that keeps it interactive would, would be a cool, cool place to start. 
I think that's terrific. And I think I would add um, one more thing, and it's just like all the other programs at your camp, and it's kind of everything that um, ACA research has said, make sure you're planning what are the outcomes you're looking for. You know, kind of start with that because there's a lot of different outcomes, whether you just want them to understand the plant life cycle or you want them to understand nutrition or you want them to understand, you know, something more complex like botany. Um, start with what outcomes you want from the program. And then, as Alex was saying, you know, just be really organized about it. There are um, there's so many ways to go about it, but start with your outcomes first. And, and sometimes the outcomes can just be, we want kids to be involved in knowing where food comes from. I mean, that's an important yeah. outcome and maybe supplying the greens to the dining hall or uh, being able to you know, pull that carrot out of the ground and eat, and eat it. Awesome. Yeah, I would, I would also add as well, um, people, like the, the people involved in it, um, bringing passionate people into to be a part of your garden is something that's um, yeah, really inspiring for, for people to have a couple of counselors in there, a couple of staff members who are really, really juiced about what's going on to say, Hey, come over here, check this out. This, this thing just sprouted. I want you to see it. I want you to smell it. I want you to, you know, really check it out and be a part of it. Um, it, it's, it's the passionate people within it that are really caring about what's going on that are, um, inspiring the next group of, of young people in there to, to want to be like those people and to be a part of it. Um, and I would say a lot of the staff that we bring in, um, we leave a lot of room for autonomy for, for people who come in to um, bring their knowledge and bring something that they might have come across in um, an agro, agricultural program of, of their own or a school program. Um, so yeah, I would say a, a cool garden program allows space um, for new ideas to come in. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I, I know kids uh, will do what the cool counselor thinks is cool. Absolutely. So even, even, you know, digging in the dirt. So an outcome that I always associate with gardens and things is the harvest time. What do you do with uh, kids who are coming at various points in the, the, the growing season or, you know, you know, won't, won't see the, the harvest time because that happens after their time at camp and things like that. How does session length uh, affect this stuff? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that's um, truly a part of the summer. Our, our campers are, might be with us for one week at a time or two weeks at a time or four weeks at a time um, at, at the longest, but that's uh, usually never a part of the entire growing cycle. So um, yeah, we feel like their interaction with whatever part of the cycle um, they're involved with is, is really enough to get them very interested in the entire cycle. Um, they get to learn from counselors what the beginning of that cycle might have looked like or what the end of that cycle looked like. Um, <clears throat> and yeah, we hear pretty consistently that campers want to go home and um, work on it on their own, start a garden at home or um, yeah, Susan talked about hydroponics and um, if, if a garden outdoors is not an option for them, what can you do indoors, uh, aquaponics, all, all kinds of different ways to <clears throat> yeah, get involved with, with the growing cycle and, um, try and try and be a part of the entire part of it. That's terrific. The other thing I, I think I would add is I think this is a great opportunity to think about the program as 
even more than um, just a, a garden. There's so many things related to plants that camps can be doing that doesn't matter where they are in the garden life cycle. So for example, actually a camp I worked at when I was in college, there was a greenskeeper. And so he was called the greenskeeper. And they're just by total coincidence, it definitely wasn't thought out and there wasn't an outcome planned. There was a group of us who were just fascinated with the rest of what that job was, you know, because camps don't just have gardens, they have uh, perhaps turf and lawns and trees and flowers and, and they created instead of a CIT program, they informally created a GIT program, you got to be the greenskeeper in training. And I didn't recognize at the time how like really awesome that was. And of course you have to be careful with, you know, insurance and safety. But as I'm now, you know, older and involved in Seed Your Future and talking with camps about the breadth of how plants are really at your camp, that's what I would recommend as you're thinking about this, this timing issue. If you have, you know, a camper who's only there for one week in May, if you're that early of a, of a camp, they can be involved in not just, you know, preparing the literal garden, but in helping to, you know, look at the trees and start, you know, trimming the, trimming the turf and all of that. So I think if we, if we can think about it beyond just seeing and pulling that carrot out of the ground, um, I think that's how camps can have a, a plant-based program. Uh, but I would say always send them home with something that they have uh, planted, whether it's just some seeds in a cup, you know, just so they can bring something home uh, or, you know, the harvest, you know, bring home those great radishes that don't take very long to grow. Um, have them bring something home, houseplant, flowers, you know, have, have a flower field at your camp. You know, a lot of camps don't do that. They just think about produce, but why not have a flower field that then you can have flowers on your tables uh, mm. in your dining hall? It's awesome. Yeah, pollinators are so important. It would be great if, you know, every camp had <laughs> a field full of them. Yes. Uh, so uh, you talked a little bit about connecting to the local gardening store. Maybe they could make a donation to help you get started. Uh, talk a little bit about sending things home with the kids. What are other ways that camps can use this as a bridge to their communities? Just uh, get, get more connected with the families involved and the community at large. Well, one of the things I would say, and then maybe Alex, you can talk about your specific situation there. I have seen, uh, back to that National Child and Youth Garden Symposium, I have seen some wonderful models, depending on the geography of where your camp is located, where a camp has partnered with, for example, a local school, because often the harvest season is not happening yet when camp is over. So they've partnered with the school. So the school program um, harvests the harvest. Uh, and not all kids, of course, went to that school, but they use social media to tell the story. They you know, they have special stories about it. And then vice versa in the spring, the school and the school kids prepare the land at the camp because often, you know, depending on the timing of your, of your camp, it could be too late <laughs> to be planting, you know, corn or whatever it is you're planting. So I would just say a school camp partnership 
is a great idea. And it, John, I, I don't know if ACA still has the material that they had a few years ago, which was a camp school partnership um, guideline document, but it might be something you look for and see if that's- Yeah, I think it's in our searchable, <laughs> our yeah. searchable field. Yeah, so that's just my my thought. But if your camp is, is um, not near schools, that's a little uh, a little bit more of a challenge. So I'm curious what Alex uh, does. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's super relevant for us. We have a lot of schools that, um, you know, we we don't have necessarily a uh, a partnership or or anything official in that way, but um, just kind of the the pairing between us and some schools, um, San Francisco schools, the the Waldorf schools, um, the San Francisco Day School. We actually have a um, our garden coordinator who's been with us for. The last six years um, as a wonderful woman who's the garden coordinator for the San Francisco Day School. Um, and we've created a nice kind of um, stream of students and campers who come back who our programs kind of <clears throat> mirror each other in ways there. Um, but yeah, you know, that is something that we run up, up against is our garden is flourishing um, in late August and then camp is ending. And um, we keep a pretty nice um, open, relationship with our local community. Um, we're in a really nice ridge line um, up near the coast of Sonoma that um, the local community has really been a big part of camp. We do a community dinner um, to start our, our summer every year um, where our counselors get to meet uh, the locals and there's a nice um, relationship there and people stay a part of the growing cycle. Um, we have that first dinner together um, there's eggs being sold from um, right from our street all year round. Um, if there's extra produce, uh, extra meat, um, the, the local community is, is a part of it. And uh, we reach out to them to, um, yeah, to have any surplus there. That's awesome. That made me think of one other thing that um, I was learning about last year with some camps and some schools actually partnering with local garden clubs. Almost every you know, community in America has some association with a garden club, um, whether it's a garden club of America, garden club or national garden clubs. Um, they have a, a workforce generally of volunteers uh, who potentially could partner with the camp both at the beginning and the end of the season and tend to be an older um, membership the garden club so th to be able to have a multi-generational program where they even come out during camp season i think that could be really cool um thing if people just want to see what the garden clubs are um near their camp absolutely yeah yeah that's a great thought and i, I don't want to say anything controversial susan but um go ahead john <laughs> what about um you know pesticides and fertilizers and things like that um, is that uh, content that's appropriate to start talking to young people about? Are they curious about it? Are they, uh, you know, are they interested in organic gardening? Uh, what, Alex, what, what are the young people talking about? Hmm. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take one first stab at it because, <laughs> you know, it, it's interesting. Pe kids especially only know what they've heard about things like pesticides and fertilizer and and not all uh, all of those things are bad so we start to talk through our materials and then through some of our partners about the fact that plants need nutrition just like people need nutrition 
And, you know, how you prepare your garden bed might include that you need to fertilize it. So it, it really is a great learning opportunity that organizations like I mentioned kidsgardening.org really talks about of how do you, how do you frame that discussion? Um, I don't know um, if Alex, you have an organic garden or not, but it's certainly an option, but not everyone has the ability to do that, to be honest. Sure. <clears throat> yeah, definitely. And we do have an organic garden, but yeah, totally hear that. We're all in different regions of the world, exposed to different elements and different pests. And um, yeah, there's tons of different ways to, to do it responsibly and great resources on, on how to come to that decision. So yeah, yeah, we, we really try and keep an open mind to, to how we grow. We're in just a really nice region where we're we're lucky that um, the growing season is great for us and the pests aren't um, really overwhelming. So yeah, we, we feel good about doing it in a, a really natural way and organically, but yeah, there's, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there, Susan. I think you said that perfectly. Yeah, I think it's also a good opportunity for, for guest uh, speakers, if you will, and that sounds sort of formal like school, but guests to visit your camp. You know, there are folks, uh, you know, I always am talking about careers. There's a career called integrated pest management specialist. You can have someone there locally come in and talk to your, to your campers about it and be able to really frame it in a way that, that makes sense. And, uh, you know, a little controversy is okay, John, because then you, that's how we learn. That's the conversation. <laughs> I agree. I agree. So uh, talking about controversy, uh, the, the kids that come to farm camp and they want, you know, a little more luxury than, than the rustic experience that they've got. Um, what is, so, so Alex, some, some camps and camp staff members feel a little bit reluctant to have campers do things that feel like <laughs> chores. Uh, what advice do you have for them? Yeah. You know, I, I totally understand the reluctance there. Um, yeah, we think about all of the all of the chores that we know in our lives. The go fold your laundry and go shovel the driveway. Go do your homework. <laughs> they're, they're all were you know we we associate them with being very boring and mundane. Um, so I would say that we have uh, we really tried to shift um, the way that kids understand chores and, and the meaning that chores uh, take in, in this camp setting. Um, yeah, and, and in a few ways, really. Um, I'd say creating a really fun social environment to do these chores is something that um, campers really haven't been exposed to. Usually when you're doing chores, you think of them doing them by yourself and, and being bored with them. So creating like a really fun um, social environment to, to be in with five or six peers um, is a really new way to do, to do chores. Um, we talked about the benefit of having some really amped up counselors and staff members there to, um, to create this excitement and to, to really get kids enthused to, to be doing what they're doing. Um, and I would say that's, that's a staple in what we do. Um, and just giving, um, you know, we, we feel that our chores at camp, there are really so many different facets of our program that um, kids are doing chores, not, not just the um, animal and plant side, garden side, but um, the way we do our meals. Campers all have a, a chore at the meal to 
help clean up the table, um, to help uh, retrieve the food from, from our kitchen, uh, to help do all of our dishes. Um, so there's strategic ways that we really try and um, get kids involved in, in doing all these things. And I, I think part of it that they really feel connected to is having a voice um, and autonomy in, in how they're doing these chores and get to add input um, and what they could see doing differently and, and it might be helpful. Um, so yeah, all, all those things really um, get to kind of change the scope of what chores have always been um, in their lives and in a camp setting um, with a group of peers that they may not have had much of a commonality with or a connection point. Now they have this, um, this chore or this task that they're carrying out with a, a group of their friends um, that's, that's really connected them and given them this commonality. Um, and like we said, the counselors, uh, a group of staff who were really enthused and the autonomy side of it for them to really have a voice in, in what they're doing and be a part of, of that process like we talked about prior. And that's Susan, that's yeah. I'm sorry I was that, that is really awesome <laughs> yeah. I, I would add something else um, that we learned from our research we, we spent quite a bit of time talking to seventh and eighth graders uh, about plants and horticulture we also talked with their parents their teachers and their guidance counselors and what we learned was semantics is everything <laughs> and most uh, you know most camp people know that and, and, and it isn't a smokescreen. It's truly not using words like chores. It's sure. using words that resonate so they understand what they're doing and how it's making a difference to plants. And, you know, just as one example, I was working with a school recently and they don't go out and, and dig weeds. They're giving a haircut to the surrounding plants so their <laughs> strawberries could grow. Um, and how they came up with their semantics was through the kids. They asked the kids, okay, here are the different things we're going to do. And they'd talk about, you know, why, uh, you know, clearing brush is important to phytoremediation. And then they talked about what that word meant. So I think that camps have a really uh, cool opportunity to either have their own campers come up with their with their names of the quote chores uh, or have your fun counselors, you know, come up with them too. You know, we're, we're not going out and, you know, as I said, cutting, cutting grass is one, but you know, why are you doing that? It's so that you have, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, comfortable to play or, you know, whatever. But I would just add that semantics can be everything. Don't use the word chores. <laughs> not that you do Alex, but um, let the kids name it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, and we, we stick with the word chores, but that's a, that's a good point. And if someone is really reluctant to, to that word, there's a really easy way to reshape it. And yeah. And you know, it's, it's something that we, we just get, we, we get the question a lot from parents um, after a session or maybe weeks after a session. And um, I say, what did you, what did you do to our kid? Like, <laughs> they're at home and they're asking, what can I do to help? Like, I want to, awesome. I want to help with the dishes at dinner. That's, that's a new thing for us. So yeah, trying to reshape what that, what that's meant. Um, and really being like being of service to your community. I think campers, when they're given the opportunity to, um, to be a part of that, that process and to really be of service to a community, they feel 
wanted and needed and, and really a part of it. Um, and I think that provides all kinds of benefits to really, really feel like they're a part of what that community is, is providing. That's awesome. I love the, the story of, you know, the camp culture coming home. Absolutely. <laughs> great. So Susan, what are some good resources for camps access? You told us a little bit about some grants um, and the symposium. What else comes to mind? Because I know your organization is a great clearinghouse for information. Yeah, I mean, certainly we have resources, but really, I, I mentioned a few of them. Kidsgardening.org is, is a wonderful one. That's a great resource. Um, there's also um, the, the farm to school movement has a lot of materials that are absolutely transferable in uh, the camp environment. So I would definitely look at that as well. And then I know we talked about it earlier, but I would just go to your local garden center, go to your local farm, uh, you know, farmers markets, go to, you know, whoever is in horticulture and agriculture in your own area. And they're sure to have something. I, I, I don't want to forget 4-H and, you know, your local farm bureau and your local FFA, because they're absolutely, you know, wonderful organizations that already work with youth programs. So reach out to all of those is what I would recommend. Excellent. Excellent. Alex, do you have any resources that come to mind? Um, just one that I've been talking about a lot with staff that um, we, we have a lot of people who come through uh, what's called woofing worldwide opportunities on organic farms. Um, and just thinking more about this conversation, people looking to get better connected with people in their local area, um, maybe someone starting a small farm. Um, yeah, that, that's a, a great resource and people doing it all over the country who are looking for farm volunteers to come and be a part of, of their farm. So a really cool resource for people just looking to get connected with, um, with small farms around them. Excellent. And is that what Hawaii was, a wolfing experience? That was for me, yeah. yeah. I, I got to kind of travel around to all the different islands and have a different farm experience. Um, and, and yeah, the, um, the lodging is provided for you. Sometimes it's a a space to set up your your tent in the backyard and sometimes it's a a room in a house and sometimes it's a a teepee it's it just really has a lot of variance to it but a great experience to get to go somewhere um, and become a part of the the ecosystem and the the farm experience excellent excellent so when you uh came west and transitioned from like what you said was a more traditional camp experience to uh, what mountain camp and and farm camp are doing what what's the most important lesson you've learned through that whole process hmm uh, i would say a growth mindset is a great mindset um yeah I, I think with every new experience and i think that's just something camp has really taught me is is keeping a growth mindset um never thinking that you've achieved it all, never thinking that you've heard it all or, or experienced it all. Um, and I think in, in growing plants, it's really practical. Um, yeah, we can always adapt. We can always bring in new ideas. Um, so I, I love um, now as being a director for eight years, um, or yeah, going into an eighth year, holy moly. Um, yeah, I just had a conversation with a new staff member the other day and she was saying, oh, th this program looks so incredible. It looks, it's, it's going to be everything to me. I can't wait to learn from you and, and Chris and the directors. And, and I was like, I can't wait to learn from you. Like every year 
we bring in people who are just, you know, they've had such a cool uh, journey to get here and um, will bring so much joy and experience and knowledge that um, just maintaining a growth mindset and never um, thinking your program is, is set the way it needs to be. And, and you can always bring in more and more ingenuity and new ideas. So yeah, that, that would be my takeaway, I would say. And what better metaphor for growth mindset or than plants <laughs> and how they adapt and, you know, reach for, reach for the light. Totally. Susan, Susan, are there any additional insights that you'd like to share with camp professionals? You know, I think I would say, don't underestimate your campers. You know, I think sometimes people think, oh, kids aren't going to want to dig in the dirt and they're not going to want to do this and they're not going to want to do that. But to be able to connect it to what kids have told us anyway, which is they want to make a difference in the world. They want to do something to contribute. They want to, they're getting concerned about, you know, issues of, of the changing climate. So don't underestimate them. Just start with something that then could tie into that desire to help change the world and to help, um, you know, make things better. That's excellent. And as I think about this particular summer, in uh, relation to the pandemic and things. I think a lot of camps have made changes that they need, need to because of health requirements and things like that. So if they're thinking that this is an opportunity to make some changes to, well, we've always done it that way kind of concepts, this growth mindset and this reaction, I, I think this might be a great summer to try some of these new things, especially since it lets, lets people slow down I think planting is a good metaphor and, and the, the life cycle of, of, of plants is a good metaphor for slow down. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this reflects back to what you were saying, Susan, about the mental and emotional uh, kind of supports that, that connecting to nature gives us. This might be the time uh, for, mm-hmm. for camps to, to just have long conversations while you're working in the soil and, you know, Slow down, I think. Yeah, I love I love that, John. And it, it, it fits with one of the um, social media um, campaigns we've been doing through the pandemic, which is the hashtag nature never closes. Hmm. How perfect for camps. And so it just meshes right just what, what you were saying. We've, we've had so much, especially in the beginnings of the pandemic, which was people were afraid to even go outside, you know, to be able to, to talk about the power of plants and, you know, nature never closes. Um, I think that's, uh, I think you're right. This summer, um, maybe more than ever before, kids need programs like yours, Alex. Uh, Thank you all. Yeah, this is, yeah, super grateful to be sharing and to be, to be learning from you, from you both. So I'm sure some of our listeners will want to connect with you. What's a good way for people to reach you? And Susan, could you tell us? Sure. So seedyourfuture.org is our website. Um, you're welcome to uh, email me directly, syoder at seedyourfuture.org. I'm happy to talk with anyone and help brainstorm ideas or to connect them with other resources. Excellent. Alex, how can people reach you? Yeah. Yeah. Same way through our website. It's probably the easiest, uh, farmcampca.com. Um, yeah. And my, you can just go through our, our info account, um, info at farmcampca if, if anyone wants to reach out and, and connect. Well, I sincerely appreciate your time, uh, both of you. I'm feeling very inspired. Um, I want to treat my own plant blindness a bit more 
Um, so thank you, thank you, thank you. You can follow us at ACA Camps on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Camp Wire is available on Spotify and iTunes. Alex, Susan, again, thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure, John. Thank you.